When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Just one day, one normal day of the FIFA World Cup. That's all I ask for. And I'm pretty sure after today's happenings, it will never, ever happen. Belgium are out, the bronze generation presumably is no more. And in a stunning turn of events in Group E, Germany are out for the second successive World Cup at the group stages. Japan somehow (laughs) win the group. And we are almost done with a chaotic, to say the least, group stages. Let's figure it all out, shall we? Yeah, usually part of this introduction, I usually plug everything that we're doing over this World Cup. If you've not listened before or not watched before on YouTube, um, go back to yesterday's episode. I've just basically not got the time to cover what we're doing on this channel and all our certain avenues because we've got to get straight into Group E where, yeah, just speechlessness. Speechlessness is all I have and I'm supposed to be covering this for about 15 minutes or so. I'm going to give a give it a bash. Why not? There's so many analyses I had and picked up upon across the two 90 minutes that we that we witnessed in Japan versus Spain and Germany versus Costa Rica. Um, yeah, it just boils down to um, they almost don't matter sometimes. Sometimes you get third group stage match days that are simply like this. We had, we, we fought, we stretched the bounds of drama yesterday with Mexico's plight 
and Poland squeaking through almost on the fair play record. But somehow Group E went, oh, well, hold my beer, as the uh, they all say. And to be fair, Group F wasn't as bad either. Um, there is a wee line in that. I've recorded that, obviously, prior to this bit now. Um, there is a little line there where I say Belgium going out is the biggest shock of this tournament. Yeah, well... <laughs> probably won't be able to edit that out because it won't make any sense otherwise so just bear that in mind when you hear that in roughly uh, 20 minutes or so yeah that is completely blown out of the water and it could have been oh so much more shocking because throughout the course of this evening we had Spain and Japan qualified we had Spain and Germany qualified of course how things started and then we had Spain and Costa Rica for about th- Japan and Costa Rica for about three minutes were both through <laughs> And uh, unfortunately, um, from a Costa Rican persuasion anyway, um, unfortunately for Spain, as well as Germany, really, um, Germany got back on track to uh, to win 4-2. And what that would have done, it made things incredibly nervy for the Japanese because Germany needed a two-goal win and um, a Spain draw or a Spain win and they win. That was essentially the permutations going in. Costa Rica obviously crumbled. They um, they performed a lot better than what they did, what they did before. And um, but uh, ultimately, Japan held on. They didn't really need to be at their best to hold on and um, took top spot from Spain. Spain, who I was for quite a lot of this game, I was thinking. Well, at least most of the first half, I was thinking. Right, this this is a joint up together. A good performance, that makes it probably three, two and a half good performances. You've got to say that based on that, they're the form team of the World Cup. And then inside about four minutes, at the start of the second half, it all comes crashing down. Um, and yeah, the Spain squeak through thanks to that 7-0 over Costa Rica. They are through on goal difference. Uh, yeah, um, right. So let's let's first cover Japan versus Spain. If we can. Um, so there's five changes for Spain. Um, they were pretty much through, um, barring any miracles. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Murata and Nico Williams started up top. Um, obviously, uh, Danny Almo on the left. And Japan played quite an attacking, well, it looked attacking anyway, 3 4 3 with Junya Ito on the right hand side. And he can be a winger. He can also be a wing back. And he proved that uh, here tonight. Um, and I really, one thing that uh, bugs me about Spain, especially when you get to the second half and the. Uh, the real lack of penetration that they they, they brought to the game, um, it, it was shocking. And by the uh, by the hour mark, Alvaro Morata was taken off the pitch, um, which is bizarre, really, when you consider Marco Asensio as a false nine. What don't you need when you're chasing a game and the opponent is in a very low block and they're very energetic in the press? It's a false nine because there are no lines between the defence and the midfield to get at. What you need is a tall attacker who can score, maybe can knock things down for another because, let's be honest, Spain are, are abundantly stocked in midfield runners who love a third-man run and love getting onto things. Just ask Gavi, just ask Pedri, you know, tons of them, tons of them. But Morata was taken off the pitch and Morata scored the goal for Spain and he vastly improves the squad. I just do not understand it. Nico Williams was incredibly direct. He came off as well. So it's those sort of tactical changes from Luis Enrique. I thought has nailed this World Cup so far. He's evolving and being fairly malleable, as we saw with his um, selections between the Costa Rica game, the Germany game. Obviously, Rodri um, in midfield is a, I think it's a pretty shrewd move. 
but here he's completely let himself down. I feel Alejandro Baldi as well, fantastic uh, fullback, very exciting. Credit to him for credit to Enrique for selecting the comparative rookie when he could have taken the safe option in Marcus Alonso, for example, um, and not just going for experience. Tiago is not even in the squad, and he's going for an exciting, you know. 26, um, which is, yeah, all well, well and good. And then you take off Morata, a man who could be used as a... Ta- I know that Spain are never going to play or cross it into the box again and again and again and hope the big man up top scores it. But it just shows a really lack of adaptability where Japan have had it in abundance in this group. They've had to have it in order to get through. We saw in the first match day, they played... Germany, they set up in a 4-2-3-1. They were very energetic and causing Germany problems. Then Moriyasu switches to a 3-5-2, a 3-4-3. We saw all of it and they snatch a win. Here, they did exactly the same. They switch it around, switch all the... made two changes at halftime. One of them scores, one of them assists the goal. And <laughs> it's just that that real adaptability... Um, from Japan, where is it? It's really Spain are far too rigid in in their fluidity, if that makes sense. It probably doesn't. I'm still frazzled by the, uh, the what has happened, but I think it, it makes sense in my head. They will tr- play this almost. It's not tiki taka, but they'll they'll play this high fluid positional game, but they don't know anything else other than that. Japan have numerous places they can go to in order to go and get a win. And they showed it here tonight. They showed it against Germany and how um, Spain were unable to uh, sense that was weird, to be honest. That's the only word for it. Yes, there's some controversy about whether it was over the line. And in my opinion, if it's... Now, we, I'm I'm recording this quarter past nine, so I'm not watching the full post-match coverage. Maybe they showed another angle of it. Maybe the, another angle of it will come out afterwards. It certainly looked out of play from one angle it looks in play from another um you've got to really trust the um the cameras available the footage because it was overturned so they must have had irrefutable proof that it stayed on the pitch and now that doesn't really matter to spain they would have gone through regardless and to be fair for spain first and second doesn't particularly matter in a way in a way they've got the easier opponent in morocco to croatia there's very little in it um but they do avoid the half of the draw with argentina and you would suspect brazil but let's be honest why would we suspect that brazil could get beaten 4-0 switzerland could win and brazil end up in the, in the same half of the draw with them who knows nobody can even predict this world cup anymore um but uh, yeah i just feel as a spain they were they didn't have a plan B and the plan B that they chose to utilize did not fit the game whatsoever, which I felt was fairly naive from Luis Enrique, who referred to his preferred front three for the Costa Rica game, Danny Olmo, Ferran Torres and Marco Asensio, which is a shame for Spain in losing that. And uh, because we're pressed for time, we'll, we may as well talk about the other game, hadn't we? Um, Germany 4, Costa Rica 2. Kimmich was moved to right back, which is fairly, is following in the footsteps of Luis Enrique, moving a midfielder back to the back line because there's going to be very little um, football played in, in your half of the uh, thing. And we all know Kimmich is very, very versatile and he can play right back, probably not as good as he can play centre half, but it shouldn't really particularly matter against Costa Rica until it did. Um, well, um, I, I loved uh, Leon Goretzka playing almost as a uh, false eight. I mean, is that a term? Probably not. Um, it was pretty much two, two number tens with Jamal Musiala. Germany absolutely 
dominated the first half. You've got David Round making them trademark runs down the left-hand side, which allows Serge Gnabry to cut in and be almost like a second striker with uh, Thomas Muller, who's drifting out a little bit. Then you've got Jamal Musiala, Leon Goretzka, all in the box. It's, you know, standard fare against a Minnow team. They're just throwing everybody forward. But that David Round overlapping run, Gnabry going infield leads to the first goal because that's how uh, it gets crossed in. And um, I had in my notes here, <laughs> doing it, typing it, I've not really had time to edit it because I just realised I was never going to go by my notes on this because it was just a crazy night of football. I wrote, half-time, Costa Rica should be ashamed of themselves <laughs> because of how they, uh, how they performed in the three games. Oh, yes, it is a way to play football and there's no right way to play football. Um, well, there isn't. According to some people, there may be, but I don't believe in that. And... If it gets you the result, that is the right way to play that game. And Costa Rica, they did not show enough. Um, and to be fair, they did show it eventually, obviously, because they went 2-1 up in this game um, through, well, the second goal is ridiculous. Um, the, first, <laughs> the first one, a bit of counter-attacking play. Um, they did have chances as well, to be fair, Costa Rica before the goal. Um, Germany in defence didn't deserve to go through off the basis of this performance. They were very wildly incompetent. And um, as soon as... Japan got got in front. Germany seemed to crumble as though they'd heard the news and thought, oh, no, and then just crumbled because that would have meant trying to get an 8-0 win over Costa Rica, which was never going to happen. And, um, yeah, the rebound off Tejeda, the, um, I, I don't know what the second goal was for Costa Rica, which bundled in. And suddenly both Spain and Germany were out for about three minutes. And then Kai Havertz, who I thought bringing him on, it, it smacked of desperation. Again, a bit like... A bit like uh, Luis Enrique Hansi Flick returning to his preferred frontman Kai Havertz started the tournament. Of course, Timo Werner wasn't there. Um, that was his preferred frontman. But Kai Havertz putting him in the front line like he did against Japan, which was to no avail here, though, against a Costa Rica defence that just went walkabout. They weren't as uh, organised as... Certainly weren't as organised as Spain, obviously. They were not as organised as Japan. And one little ball inside, Kai Havertz gets its scores. And then... From then on in, they pick them apart, and it's by which point it's, it's game over after the third goal, certainly for Costa Rica. But Germany had to get that second goal in the hope that Spain would get something in, against Japan because how it worked was Germany had to win by two goals if there was a draw between Japan and Spain, which, yes, Spain were in the their attacking half for the last 30 minutes for about 99% of the game. But I can't I remember one shot. Um, cutting him from the left, from the, yeah, from the right. I think it was Ferran Torres. But apart from, he wasn't really particularly much of a chance either. He was gobbled up by the keeper quite easily. And um, simply Germany, well, I was going to say Germany have been undone by Spain's profligacy, but Germany have been undone because they were profligate themselves against Japan. They've been undone because they couldn't find a win against Spain. And it's basically their own fault. Their new generation is gone out at the first round. And speaking of generations, nice little segue onto the second half of today's show where we're going to take a look at Group F. And another shock, because Belgium's golden generation is out as well. Catch you in a minute. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. And we are going now to Group F where we saw the more... Shocking group stage elimination for Belgium. The golden generation is over. Or rather, the bronze generation. And Europe's ranked, best ranked team are out. Second in the world, Belgium were unable to get past Croatia. And Croatia snuck in through the back door behind Morocco. Topping the group just as they did in 1986. With Canada just as in 1986 as well thanks to a lovely bit of symmetry. Um, they have gone out with three defeats from three, although very different to how they bowed out in 86. So let's start with Croatia versus Belgium. The huge game, one of the very few enormous games that we have got left in this group phase now. We've got some big ones to come tomorrow as well, or rather today, as you are listening to this. So Croatia came into this game unchanged, whilst Dries Mertens... Really um, facet of the golden generation, one of the older players he was in. Meanwhile, Leandro Trossard and Yannick Carrasco also returned. Leandro Dendonka uh, stepped up into midfield after playing a couple of games in the uh, centre-half position. And I felt Belgium were playing, at least in the first half anyway, Belgium were playing incredibly high against what was a very energetic Croatian team with that midfield, of course, that uh, will just pass anybody to death. Um, maybe with the exception of Spain, and um, that's probably about it, really. Um, they have got a, an incredible uh, midfield. Um, unlike Belgium, and Belgium were almost a caricature of themselves in the first minute, really. Um, they were caught out after eight seconds when uh, Perisic was found over the top by Luka Modric, a very well-rehearsed move, and uh, that would have been the uh, the World Cup's well, it's, it's quickest ever goal, but unfortunately it wasn't to be. And um, Perisic just about fired wide. It would have been his third World Cup that he scored in as well, um, but wasn't to be. Um, maybe in the uh, maybe in the second phase. And uh, Croatia found themselves in behind the Belgian defence again before the first minute was out. Belgium, I can't stress this enough. They started so poorly; it was unreal. 
Um, Croatia, they, they were set up as the as they normally are in a 4-1, 4-1 off the ball, 4-3-3, maybe 4-2-3-1 as well with uh, one of the midfielders pushing up, usually Modric, uh, when they've got the ball. Um, Andre Kramaric thought he'd won a penalty. Um, it looked a bit soft. There was contact there, probably not enough to overrule it, but Tavar did find a way to overrule it. Um, there was offside in the build-up. And um, whilst by the letter of the law, it was offside, there were two shoulders in it. I mean, the shoulders, um, well, it's, it's a bit of a grey area of a definition, really. And uh, that's not VAR's fault. That's not um, by the letter of the law. It's a, it was uh, offside and he was interfering with play because he, he jumped with the defender to uh, edit one of the plays. And it was just the shoulders where they drew the lines or rather where the uh, the technology found the lines. It just seems a bit, a bit arbitrary, especially when it comes to shoulders, because... Uh, if it's the top of the shoulder, which I'm pretty sure it is, then um, you can uh, at least get a little bit of confidence from that. But when it's T-shirt lines, I mean, people wear shirts differently. We'll just be having players wearing ultra-tight shirts and like get into the stage of Cameroon or two with those vests, if you remember. Um, but it, it was a warning sign to Belgium. And uh, Croatia remained bright in the second half. Um, Guardiol, I thought, was... Well, obviously he was excellent in defence, as we'll talk about in a minute, but he was driving into the final third as well, a world away from the Belgian defence. This is a 20-year-old who looks at the absolute peak of his powers and obviously he won't enter his peak for another five, six years. His peak's going to be in like Euro 2028 and we're seeing him here putting a performance which was for the ages really for um, for, for Croatia. So things got a little bit uh, untidy in the final 20 or so minutes. Um, he, he just drove into the final third, provided Mateo Kovacic with uh, a curling effort and um, just over the bar in Croatia. They didn't have the the quality of chances as what they did in the first half, what Belgium had in the second half, but um, they probably were... You'd probably say that they they deserved to go through a bit more than uh, a bit more than Belgium. Uh, they, to be fair, Croatia they dominated the early stages of the second half. All the attacks came down the left. Usually crosses. They, we did mention that they they were cross heavy in the build up to this tournament. Modric went fairly close with a somewhat of a tame uh, volley, but uh, Ivan Perisic I thought was man of the match outside of uh, Vardiol as well. He was utterly tireless up and down that left. And to say he's one of the elder statesmen of this Croatia team. He was fantastic up and down that wing all game. Um, and meanwhile, the uh, the talisman for Belgium was again Kevin De Bruyne, who looks who has looked like he's had the uh, the world, the weight of the world on his shoulders this entire tournament from the interviews he's given and um, just from his general demeanour. It looks like he's carrying this Belgium team and he's in this game again. He, maybe Yannick Carrasco um, moving forward. It were the only Belgian vehicles, really, for upward mobility, general transitional play. He was passing forward, he was driving forward, and he was very little else from Belgium early on. He um, played it in for Dries Mertens from a counter, and really, if that was Lukaku on four, maybe not today, because we'll, we'll get on to his missed chances, lottery, litany of missed chances. Um, but uh, Mertens was an incredibly poor finish. It, it, it smacked of a... Uh, of attacker who um, hasn't played top-level competitive football for a while. Um, Yannick Carrasco had an effort blocked. Um, they were getting at least a few numbers forward, a bit more than uh, a bit more than in the prior games, but they just weren't getting enough bodies in the box um, for my liking. They did play with more of a back four, and this is Roberto Martinez uh, 
being in his adventurous self. It was more of a 4 2 3 1. Um, Carrasco a little bit higher up the pitch. Um, they rarely created um, too much. They were missing. They were missing Lukaku in the in the first half. They were missing a prime Lukaku in the second half because he came on at half time. He had uh, well, at least he showed a fret. He was constantly in the box. He wasn't running the channels because I don't think his fitness allowed that. And um, Alan Shearer was at pains to mention that uh, he's only played thirty one minutes since August. And yes, that's that's not going to make him uh, quick off the mark in in a World Cup, especially in Qatar. He had a header from a cross um, on the forty ninth minute. He hit the post on the hour, which was on his weaker foot, to be fair. And I think if he's uh, if he's fully fit, he moves onto his left foot and strikes it. But uh, he snatched at at that really, and that was that was a chance come created by two of Belgium's players who were the only ones who were any good, really. Kevin De Bruyne's brilliant pass, Yannick Carrasco's little tidy footwork in the box to manufacture the shot. And then, um, unfortunately, of course, a few licks of paint away from uh, putting Belgium into a lead. He headed over a sitter, um, which was pretty poor work from the uh, from the goalkeeper there, Livakovic. He should have really just cleared that ball out, but... Uh, there we are. And by this point in the game, it was Belgium and Croatia taking turns to attack. It was around this point where Luka Modric had his chance, which he uh, which he uh, stung the gloves of uh, Thibaut Courtois with. And it was a wildly open game in the last 15 because obviously Croatia, they wanted to win the group because they knew the uh, the news coming from the other stadium, which were Morocco were winning. They were winning for the majority of the game. And um, they wanted to, to win the group because um, heading into the later games, it was highly likely that they would be meeting Spain if they were to win the group, um, if they were to come second in the group, rather. Um, whilst Morocco, they pretty much led the uh, led the group the entire way, and that's how it would remain. The, the game was probably lacking on quality, and the entertainment, really, in the second half was gleaned from how how tense the match was and consistent consistent Belgian attacks, consistent Croatian attacks as well. Phil Guardiola had a, a one wee wobbly moment when he... Uh, Almost passed it uh, through Livakovic with a, an outstretched leg, but uh, other than that, he was absolutely sublime. Uh, Rolls Royce of a centre half, you, you've got to say, and it's only a matter of time before Leipzig can't keep hold of him any longer, which is crazy because he's not had that much time at the German club really. But he's just moving that that fast up the uh, up the food chain really for centre halves. And in the end, Lukaku wound up having five good chances against him. Didn't didn't take on it. Well, he wasn't sharp enough to pounce on the fifth chance, which Vardio masterfully cleared. Um, which is essentially how Croatia won this, or rather won qualification, drew this game. He was uh, absolutely a beast at the back. It really was a game for me. If you see. The performance of Vardy, all 20 years old, and you see the legs, the leggy legs of Belgium. You've got Eden Hazard came on way past it by this point. Injury, not really, yeah, not really at it. And the fact that Romelu Lukaku, I don't think, should have ever gone um, to this tournament. He wasn't fit by any means. And in his place, they play 35-year-old, I think, Dries Mertens. That is not moving on with the times. Jeremy Doku looked fairly bright, but he again... He, this is like one of the fair. This is a cameo appearance for Jeremy Doku. He should be one starting, like Leandro Trossard did today. He should. They should both be starting because you've got Kevin De Bruyne who could probably play in the midfield part rather than the uh, inside forward part of this uh, formation for for Belgium. And less said about the defense, the better. These they, they had three capable, willing defenders who were 
you know, under the age of 23. I admit Amadou Onana in the midfield, he was suspended for this game, so they couldn't select him and they probably did miss him a little bit. But the defence, there's no reason why they can't at least have a mix and match like Croatia have had with Vardiol and Lovren throughout this tournament. I thought it might be Vardiol and uh, Sotolo, but um, they have paired off the uh, experience one with a, uh, a fresher name, and that's exactly where Belgium have gone wrong, where Croatia have gone right. It's the importance of evolving this generation, and Belgium have failed to do it. They're still relying on Aiden Hazard, Romelu Lukaku, both unfit, Kevin De Bruyne, and uh, a centre-half pairing of uh, Jan Vertonghen and Toby Alderweireld, who... Um, yeah, less said about them, the better, really, because they are a team that haven't moved on, a manager that hasn't moved on. And you've got Zlatko Dalic. He was in the dugout for Croatia in 2018. He realised the need to evolve, took a younger squad to the European Championships three years on, and he's continued that evolution. Meanwhile, most of the names that were playing in that 2018 World Cup for Belgium started this World Cup, and it's just really not on from a... Uh, from a standpoint of moving from one cycle to another, yes, you can lambast Belgium for, for picking a manager who uh, isn't deemed to be elite, but this is international football. You don't get usually the elite of the elite, really. And it's probably the same brush that uh, people tar Gareth Southgate with. But he, like Zach Dalic, identifies when it's time to move on. Roberto Martinez hasn't done that here, and hence why Belgium are out of this tournament and let's move on. We'll take a little, we'll take a quick breeze by the Canada 1, Morocco 2 game. And um, it was quite a lot of uh, changes for Canada, freshening things up throughout the tournament. Of course, they knew that going in. And uh, only Alfonso Davis remained from uh, from a frontline midfield perspective. They uh, freshened that up a little bit with the back four with the, the goalkeeper um, staying in. And meanwhile, the uh, goal scorer for Morocco broke the deadlock against uh, against Belgium. Sabiri, he was uh, he was in it. Really, this was a tale of experience and inexperience. Morocco a lot more measured in their press. Well, a lot more measured in absolutely everything. Canada have been absolutely electric throughout this tournament. The one thing that they're missing, despite you know Atiba Hutchison, he's 39, but it's experience, not in age, experience on the world stage and playing huge games like Morocco. They had that four years ago when they unfortunately bowed out of the groups. I thought they were fairly unfortunate to be one of the first teams eliminated in Russia. Um, here they've taken that experience. They've, you know, under the new manager, I think this is the first goal they've conceded under the Reg Ragwe uh, reign. So that is uh, something. Uh, and the experience, even in younger names like Hakimi and Ziek, who are both, I believe they're both under 25, under 26, just about to enter their peak. Um, fantastic. I mean, just show that, well, a lot of the calibre of Moroccan players like Sofiane Bouffal, Yusuf and Nasiri, you know, players who played play for Sevilla, who play for Real Madrid, Chelsea, compare that to the likes of Canada and you've only really got Alfonso Davies at, um, at Bayern Munich, Jonathan David at Lille and uh, a couple of players for Club Bruges, Kyle Lurin and uh, Tejon Buchanan and the rest really, uh, I suppose Stephen Estacquio, although he didn't play in this game, it was, um, yeah, just a, a, a story of youth, well, inexperience versus experience, really. 
Um, Canada continued to push and push and press, which is which is admirable, but Morocco could play straight through that. Um, Morocco, meanwhile, they pressed, but they only did so when they smelled blood as opposed to Canada being this gung-ho um, proposition. And the goalkeeper, yeah, it was unfair on him, the error, really, because I thought he'd had a fairly good tournament, um, and it leads to a fantastic first-time Hakim Ziyech curler. Not that he couldn't miss it, he could have easily missed that and skewed it wide, but uh, a nicely composed finish for Ziyech. I think it's his first goal back for his national team upon his return. And um, Sofian Bufal, as he did in the previous game, was causing all kinds of problems, so intricate um, with his footwork. And Yusuf Enesiri scored, a, uh, scored um, a great goal as well, and he scored the uh, the third as well, which unfortunately was disallowed for an offside attacker in the uh, in the goalkeeper's eye line. Um, Canada, they were okay on the counter, I suppose. The second half, they dominated a lot more because Morocco looked to set in with the two-goal lead. They knew that um, a win, well, the cushion that they had was probably enough. And um, they do get a, an own goal to Canada before the first half at a coup bay. Um, much more fresher name. I thought you would start a lot more of these games. But um, he forced an own goal down the left-hand side. And uh, perhaps going forward, um, if John Herdman is to stay, maybe uh, he plays more on that left wing back, allows Alfonso Davies to cut in more where I think he, at least for his national team, is a lot more dangerous alongside the likes of uh, Jonathan David and Kyle Lorin as well, or Junior Hoylet as well. Um, the threat from Canada in the second half, largely from set pieces, as you see from the uh, Tiba Hutchinson chance that was headed against the underside of the bar. It looked as though it dropped in. For all the world, it had looked like, obviously, the goal line technology uh, ruled that it hadn't desperately unlucky, especially for uh, Hutchins is likely to be his um, last World Cup, certainly his last World Cup, because he'll be 42-43 uh, by the time the next one swings around. Uh, well, Morocco, they set about in a lower block in the second half. Um, as a result, Canada probably looked probably had, had more of the ball, probably looked a little bit better on the ball as well um, when the game was less transitional. But regardless, it's um, certainly a learning curve for Canada. Yes, they go out of this tournament with three defeats, just as they did in 1986. Morocco threw as group winners, just as in 1986. But both teams did it uh, very differently to uh, how they did in the uh, back in the day. Canada were a lot more vibrant, a lot better, um, got bigger names. And uh, Morocco look a lot better going forward whilst they have retained that defensiveness merely through osmosis, I suppose, from the uh, from the days of 1986. And we have got two groups left. The group stages are going to be over today, so we're going to preview all four of the remaining group stages games, from Serbia versus Switzerland to Ghana versus Uruguay, the two crunch games that we've got for you today. So join us after this short break. Group G, welcome back. Brazil 6 Serbia three and Cameroon and Serbia both on a point. It is very much all to play for. Brazil likely to name a, uh, a weakened side because you wouldn't ever expect really a, a three-goal swing for between them and Switzerland. So they're probably like France that we've seen. And so too, Portugal may do the, exactly the same. They, it's unlikely for them to um, lose top spots, so they'll probably... Uh, Look to freshen things up, change a, change a few names. And Brazil probably got the best chance of um, escaping a group here with maximum points. We've not seen it. Um, we've not seen it yet. Um, in terms of Serbia, I'm sure they need Pavlovic fits. Um, as soon as he came off, they were far too open against Cameroon when he went off both goals. Came down the side he was on. I think he's been Serbia's best defensive player, if not best player at, these World, at this World Cup so far. 
Um, Switzerland, because the ball is in their court after Serbia's uh, collapse against Cameroon, they'll be content to sit off them, take a point, go through, and um, probably play Portugal, which um, I'm sure they'll be fairly confident about getting something from that as well. Um, considering how well Switzerland usually tend to play defensively, you would have expected um, something similar from the next game, the next two games that they that they uh, potentially could face. In terms of um, Cameroon, well, there'll be calls for Vincent Abubakar to start and play a 4-4-2. They are, of course, the onus is on them. Kind of a similar situation to a fellow African outfit, uh, Tunisia, when they played a giant in their third game, same point, same structure of the group as well. And... Uh, Maybe maybe um, a second-half substitution, I think. I feel as though they need to uh, set into the game. Brazil, of course, um, started slow for their first two games. And um, Cameroon, I think they can uh, change the shape halfway through, perhaps hit them on the break. But it is backs-against-the-wall stuff for um, the indomitable Lions. They cannot be as open as what they have been in the past two games. Transitional-wise, they've been shocking, in my opinion, despite playing some pretty good football, in fairness. But uh, against a uh, an ultra-attacking Brazil side, they will they will hurt them. And I, and I feel as though Brian Embuemo and Cal Toko Icambi, I think they've done enough to warrant their position out wide um, in a 4-3-3. I can't see, I cannot see Rigobert Song playing in Buemo, Toko Icambi, Abubakar and Eric Maxim, Chupa Moting, but you never know. You never know. They might go all out for it. Um, and again, like Tunisia, it may not be enough, even if they do get a win. But uh, we'll see. An African team who does stand a better chance, Ghana, and they have got one hell of a showdown in their final game against Uruguay. The ghosts of Soccer City, Johannesburg in 2010 are there. And of course, the group is set up exactly as Group G is and exactly how Group D was uh, with Portugal leading the way and qualified on six points, Ghana on three in second, whilst South Korea and Uruguay both have a point apiece. Portugal need a point to be sure of top spots or Uruguayan favours. Meanwhile, South Korea need to match Uruguay's winning score if they are to uh, if they are to go through. And of course, Uruguay versus Ghana. The story is all about Luis Suarez, the ultimate revenge story. And I um, would love to see him play and just see the uh, Ghanaian re- reactions both on and off the pitch. Uh, Placing the last 16 up for grabs as well, and Ghana probably will be confident that a draw will get them over the line. Uruguay haven't scored yet. They've not really looked like scoring, barring a few pot shots that hit the woodwork. And Ghana should feel fairly confident. They've been fresh and exciting, and it's a very... It's a very new team, and um, I can feel I feel fairly confident about their chances. But then again, I felt confident about their chances in 2010 against uh, against Uruguay as well. And and the uh, the the prize is there, Brazil in the last 16. Of course, where Ghana's knockout stage story in the World Cup all began in 2006 with a lesson from the likes of Ronaldo and Co. So he broke his, he broke the all-time World Cup goal-scoring record there in Germany, only for Miroslav Klose to then go and break it eight years later in Brazil. Of course, its own revenge mission there. I hope you join me in reviewing all those games tomorrow as we bid goodbye to the group phase. Of course, we are continuing this podcast throughout the knockout phase, even throughout the rest days. We've got uh, a little something special for you on those rest days. But until then, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for watching if you have done on YouTube. And until tomorrow, silly. Up the three lions, almost forgot.
Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.